Hi, and welcome to Business Without Bullshit. I'm Pippa Sturt, and alongside me is my co-host, Emma Florentin-Lee. Hi, Emma. Hi, Pip. And today we're joined by Jamelia Donaldson. Jamelia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It is our absolute pleasure. Um, tell us a little bit about what you're doing at this moment with your business. Sure. So at this moment with my business, we are preparing to open our annual pop-up shop in Birmingham. So by default, we're a monthly subscription box for women what are you with called? naturally curly treasure dress. Treasure dress, yeah. right? And every year to celebrate our brand anniversary, we open a pop-up store. This year we're opening a pop-up store in Birmingham. And so we're preparing to open it for two months, which will be the longest we've ever oh, had gosh. a store open. Yeah. Well, it doesn't sound like a pop-up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we're testing the waters to see like what other opportunities um, exist, especially outside of London. So we're in the depths of like interior design, logistics. Before I came, I was just on a call about getting all of the products from London to Birmingham. Oh, yeah. Need a big van. Yeah, lorries is what I've been instructed yeah. that we need. So tell us a bit more about the brand, the brand in general and the products. Sure. So Treasure Trust is a monthly product discovery box for women with naturally kinky curly hair. So essentially, it's a really affordable, quick, easy and exciting way to try new brands without breaking the bank and without leaving your house. So for me personally, growing up, I really struggled finding the right products to care for my hair. And not only did I struggle to find them, but I couldn't find them in your everyday store. So like the high street just didn't sell those products. So I had to go to very specific stores to get them. You mostly, I'm just speaking for myself, I don't know about Emma, but you mostly just want body because otherwise your hair is limp and pathetic and hangs down in a terrible manner. It's safe to say that body is something that I never struggle with. (laughs) Yeah, anyone with curly hair never has that problem. Um, But it is like a moisture thing. So like central heating, air conditioning, like general weather really, really draws the moisture out of our hair. So it's really important that we input moisture at every point. So if I'm using a clarifying shampoo, I'm following up with a moisturizing shampoo, a deep conditioner, a leave-in conditioner and an oil. And then on a daily basis, I'm adding a leave-in conditioner and potentially an oil as well to my hair. Gosh, that sounds like a full-time job. <laughs> uh, it is intense, but fortunately, I really enjoy it. How you ever started the business is now beyond us. <laughs> but also, why people are buying so much it's also very clear now (laughs) yeah so it's just a lot about infusing moisture back into the hair and just providing more styling options so like gels butters waxes mousses all of those things are really important to our hair regime do you wash those out in the morning no so I wash my hair once a week And some women wash their hair twice a week, some once a month. When you open our boxes, there's a slogan that says, sis, cancel your plans, it's wash day. And that's because it literally (laughs) is the whole day. But what we've been really intentional about is like making sure that the women that receive our boxes don't see their hair as a burden, Mm. but instead see it as an opportunity to pamper themselves because Everything in society tells you that your hair, if it's not straight, it's wrong, it's dry, it's frizzy, it's brittle, it's broken, it's damaged. And so for us, we want to use the opposite language and we want to introduce it as like an opportunity just to care for yourself. I think that's sort of slightly, I'm sure it's more true for you, but I think it's also true for all women that they get told the whole time that everything is slightly wrong mm-hmm. because they you know people are trying to send you products well it's not just hair it's in every part of a woman's Literally. life yeah. yeah 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 so would there be a benefit to someone who didn't have curly hair using the products or is it very um, if you're struggling with body i would definitely say no because <laughs> i think it would um further perpetuate yes. that problem but 
we do have women with a wide range of hair types. So majority of our subscribers are black mixed race women. We have a lot of Middle Eastern Mediterranean women who naturally have quite thick curly hair. And there's some women with wavy hair who like to use the products as well. But a lot of it is trial and error. So you can use some products. It's just figuring out a way to use it that works for your hair. So like someone with straight hair could definitely use a, a conditioner, but instead you would focus on the ends of your hair because you, if you put it too close to your scalp, then your hair would just look greasy once you wash it out. So yes, but would I say it's worth the investment if I'm being completely honest? No. I'm feeling very self-conscious about my hair right now. Why? <laughs> it looks great. <laughs> no, they look great. <laughs> So how did it all start? So obviously it's come out of you needing to care for your own hair. Yeah. But how did how did the whole business start? Um, so from about the age of four, I've been like utterly obsessed with hair. So when I was in nursery and reception, I used to get in trouble because I wasn't listening. Instead, I was like braiding the girl in front of me's hair. And then when I got to primary school, I was doing people's hair in the playgrounds. Secondary school, I learned that I could make money from it. So I started doing people's hair and like they used to pay me to do all of these different braided styles. And then I used to do it after school as well. And then fast forward to university, I decided to stop straightening my hair. So when I was in my early teens, some, somehow I had convinced myself that if my hair wasn't straight, then I didn't look pretty. And if my hair wasn't straight, then I didn't look grown up. So for me, I always equated straight hair with beauty and curly hair with not being beautiful. Then I went to university and YouTube blew up. Um, and I remember like Googling, like, why doesn't black girls hair grow? Like, cause everyone around me, their hair kind of stopped at around oh, this really? length and it wasn't out of choice. It was just because it felt like their hair wasn't growing beyond that. And so I started doing research and I just discovered like this whole world called the natural hair community, which was all of these women in America who had like really luscious, full, curly, kinky hair. And so I started looking at the products that they were using and looking at my cupboard and I was like, I don't have these products. <laughs> and then I went online to buy them and I was spending like 80 pounds a month buying hair products oh and paying gosh. the customs and the shipping as a student. And I just thought this isn't um, sustainable because I need to buy food. And so, shopping <laughs> and that kind of thing. That's I want to go out with my friends, yeah. that kind of thing. Oh, textbooks, yeah. Textbooks, <laughs> textbooks are quite important. Far down the list. <laughs> What were you doing at university? What were you studying? Um, I studied business and international relations. Okay, so you're in a good place to start your own business. Really. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Like theory-wise, I guess so. And then while I was at university, I undertook a placement year. And the first month of that placement year, I went to Beijing for a marketing internship. And while I was in Beijing, I don't remember if I ran out of products or I lost my products. But as you can probably imagine, that's probably the worst place on earth for me to run out of hair yeah. products because yes. <laughs> there's really yeah. no options. <laughs> so I had to like, I think I found like herbal essences, um, conditioner, some like really cheap gel. And then I had to find a shoe brush and use a shoe brush to brush my hair to resemble a bristle brush, which I would usually use on my hair. And I just thought this is ridiculous. The internship after that one took me to New York. And while I was there, it was like natural hair mecca, like the yeah. complete opposite. Every single brand, every single type of product I could think about, I could find. And then when I was getting ready to come back to the UK, I was like packing my suitcase with as many products as possible because I knew once I got back, I wouldn't be able to buy any of them. But while I was in New York, I noticed that there was this new craze of subscription boxes. Mm. So there were subscription boxes for like dog food, ties, sweets, makeup, hair care. And then when I looked at the UK market, um, Glossy Box and Birch Box were making a rise. 
but they didn't necessarily include purely hair care and they right. definitely didn't cater to my hair type. Yeah. So I thought, oh, this is really cool. Like if by the time I get to London, there's not a box for curly hair, then I'm going to do it. And so I got back to London. Um, I had been interning for free that whole time. So my first priority was like, get a job that pays good money. <laughs> so I got an, my last internship of that year was at BlackRock Asset Management. So that was in the financial oh, wow. okay, yeah. services industry. I was there and came back for their grad scheme, was on their grad scheme for about three years. And then in the final year, that's when I started building and developing Treasure Trust. So that was basically the story, like a childhood obsession of mine, which was hair care, a very necessary need, especially while I was traveling. And then the reality that in the UK, there just wasn't that product offering that there was in the US and just feeling a little bit forgotten and left out of the beauty experience because I weren't, I just didn't have the options. And the beauty of the beauty industry is variety all the time. Like there's so many different foundations. There's so many different mascaras. And it was just a shame that we didn't have that same variety in hair care. Okay, so we're going to like wind the clock back. I know we've talked about how you started your business, but what was the, your first ever proper job? So my first ever proper job was NHS admin with one of my best oh. friends. <laughs> Her mum was like a senior manager and she was like, we need some data entry. How old were you at this point? 14. <laughs> Basically. Okay. <laughs> kind of explains the NHS admin <laughs> <Yeah>. um, issues. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, I don't want to take full responsibility for that, but that was the first one. And yeah, it was what it said on the packet, data entry, not exciting at all. And then what, you just, you went straight into business at university? No, I had so many retail jobs. Oh really? Yeah. The first one was, I think that's where like my love for like meeting people in real life came from. So after that, my next job was Ted Baker, House of Fraser. And I thought that I had like absolutely won at that point. Because I was like, finally a job that's glamorous. I actually get to dress up to go there. Presumably got a very good discount there. Yeah, so like your first day you get to pick out your outfit. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I could never buy Ted Baker. (laughs) And then um, after that, you get a really good discount. So that was great. And then after Ted Baker, it was... Oh, it was actually in Birmingham. It was at um, Kurt Geiger. Again, a great discount, 50%. Mm. <laughs> so that was great. The only downside was that you had to wear heels throughout your whole shift. Oh, oh God, no. that, would, that, that would be a no from me. So that was that was hard. And then after Kurt Geiger, it was Charles Tirrett on Regent Street. So that was okay. like suits. Yes. I think that prepared me for having really good meetings with men because I always knew how to like win them over and talk them around for the sale. So that was good. And you presumably got used to them massively patronising you when they came in and wanted a suit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and then after that, I think I went into internships after that. So along that way, what has been your biggest failure, would you say? While building Treasure Trust and while in corporate, actually, I do wish that I... Um, I wish that I actively sought out more mentors while I was in corporate. I wish that I sought out more sponsors to speak on my behalf. I wish that I found out the process for promotion really early and kind of followed that blueprint. I did get some really great opportunities while I was in corporate, though. I managed to convince them to send me to the New York office for a year, which was out of this world. Um, So that was a great experience. So... Yeah, while I was in corporate, I wish that I was more proactive about my career and didn't just expect that like by performing well, I would get noticed and have opportunities presented to me. I wish that I knew that I had to create the opportunities and go after them a bit more. I learned that really, really, really late in life. I was just about to say, I wonder what made you learn that? Is it having your own business? That made you learn that maybe? Do you know what it was? If I'm being completely honest, it was the first round of promotions 
and I didn't get promoted. And I thought, hold on a minute. <laughs> what happened here? Like, you know, catch-ups, I was doing great. So like, why wasn't I considered? But then I realized that everyone had mentors that told them like, tell your, tell your manager that you would like to be promoted. Ask them what the process is. Let them know what your salary expectation was. And I think it was also speaking to one of my male colleagues who told me his salary. And I was like, this is madness. Like, why didn't I know this? Like, yeah, why wasn't there that transparency? I, I had exactly the same thing in that I genuinely thought that if you were worked really hard and you were a really good lawyer, one day somebody came along and tapped you on the shoulder mm-hmm. and said, thou good and faithful servant, you've done a very good job, now you can be a partner. Yeah. And then there was this, he's probably going to listen to this, but he knows I think he's an idiot. So it's fine. <laughs> a friend of mine who's an absolute idiot, who, um, like we went out to dinner and he said, oh, I've got something to tell you, I'm making part, I'm being made partner. I was just like, it felt like I'd been punched in the face. because, And I was like, oh, that's really great. I'm really pleased for you. But inside I was like, I cannot believe this. Yeah. And I went to my, you know, partners in my team and said, how come he's being made partner and I'm not? And they were like, but he's asked for it. Literally. And that's Literally, the life that's lesson. It. That's the life lesson. That's definitely what I've carried over into entrepreneurship. Like if you do not ask, you are definitely not given it. Yeah. Don't like, ask, don't get. Literally. But it is hard. It's really hard to ask. It is. It is, especially, stuff. it's going to sound awful, but especially as a woman, it is hard because it's expected of a man to go in and be all ambitious and this yeah. is what I want. And then a woman does it. And I don't think they quite know how to deal with it And sometimes. like different adjectives are used as well when it is a woman. So when it's a man, he's like super assertive, like knows what he wants. He's a yeah. go-getter. When it's a woman, it's like, mm, she thinks a bit too much of herself. She's a bit much, isn't she? She's bit a bit naggy, overbearing. Bit much. Yeah. She's a bit much. Yes, yeah. completely. And shrill is yeah. the one I really hate. Oh, that's yeah. a bad one. Shrill. She's really shrill. Um, you know, but I also had, and you know, I may look old, but it wasn't that long ago when I was a junior lawyer. I had another lawyer who was like roughly the same qualification as me, a little bit less qualified. And he, I found out he was earning more than me. And I was kind of like, what? And he was like, well, I went in and asked for more because, but you know, that's fair enough because I have a family. Like I'm the breadwinner in my house and I've got, actually that wasn't true because his wife made way more money than him. <laughs> but he was like, I've got, I've got kids, so I need more money. I was like, that is cannot be how yeah, it works. No, that's not quite how it should work. But I think that's how people think a lot of the time. Yeah. So there's a lot of conversations online about like little girls that are like so outgoing, so ambitious and like just continuing to nurture that because yeah. somewhere along the way, women are told like, don't be too loud. Don't ask Sit it too much. Shut up. Literally. But do you think that's a problem in our generation or it's more a problem in the generation above who are being asked and it's their reaction to being asked that is maybe off? So actually, it's actually nothing wrong with our generation at all. It's the response to those people above that isn't right. And therefore, we're almost conditioned to going, you know what, I'm not even going to bother asking. That is a good point. I think it's a bit of both. I do think that somehow there's this thing that happens that like shuts women up at quite a young age. But equally, I do know that like there are huge like differences generationally, like my generation versus like Gen Z's, we're like, I don't know if any of you have ever had a Gen Z intern, but it is a rude awakening. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so like those women are coming in, knowing exactly what they Coming want, in strong. Coming in strong. And it is a shock, but I constantly have to tell myself like, okay, ego aside, this is good to see. This is how I wish maybe I had yeah, been when exactly. I was younger. But I also think, you know, certainly for my generation that when I was a junior lawyer, the women that were at the top of the game, the women who had made partner, 
were just like these massive ball breakers who were just like, <laughs> you know, just like scarier than the men, more aggressive than the men, more pushy is, than the isn't men. Isn't that because they probably had to be to get to, to be, that I point? I can remember like literally thinking, I don't want to be like that. Yeah. That's terrifying. I don't want to be like that just to get ahead. And it's taken an awfully long time for that to not be the kind of pattern of how you have to behave if you want to get ahead as a woman. Uh, what do you think is, what do you find most uncomfortable about running your business? People management. It is tough. I always say that, like, I had this idea. I was so excited by it. Really loved the problem. Really love loved solving the problem. But nothing along the way taught me how to manage people. And so I was just thrown in the deep end. And every lesson feels like an absolute overload. Like, the lessons are really, really tough, but there's nothing that prepares you along the way to say like, look, this is when you're building a team, look out for this, pay attention to this, over-invest in this, like maybe dismiss this. If you see this behavior, like there's yeah. just so many things that you're just not told because you're just so excited by like the product, the community, the opportunity, but you forget that you actually have to learn to be a manager as well, which so is really So even doing tough. a business degree, you aren't told how to manage people. So there's a story about the business degree, right? right. That actually wasn't by choice. So I actually wanted to be a lawyer when I was younger. You didn't want to be a lawyer. I did. (laughs) And then my mum being a teacher was like, there's this new thing. It's called the International Baccalaureate. Don't do A-levels, do the IB. So I'd done the IB and I fell short of the law degree by two points. Oh no. And I was like, I genuinely thought my life was over. And then the other options just didn't look appealing. And then there was business with international relations. I don't care about politics or international relations, but it had international. And I was like, this sounds like I can travel. I can go abroad. (laughs) So I was like, well, if I do this degree, I have to do a year's placement and I can do it abroad, which sounds like fun. So, and it was during that time, I went to Uganda, Beijing, New York, all through my degree. So I was like, this is brilliant. And then the business just kind of came with it. So I didn't do that degree with the intention to start a business. I'd done that degree with the intention of having a great life experience. <laughs> Which you had. <laughs> that is the point of university, no? It is. Yeah, yeah, like the degrees, I always, like my little cousins just started uni. I'm like, remember you're going for the network and the people and the experience. The degree is a nice to have, or well, you need it. But really the greatest takeaway is actually the people and the experiences. I mean, I, I'm what, almost 50 and some of my best friends are still my university friends. See? I was doing someone's passport application the other day because as a chartered accountant, you only ever hear from your friends. <laughs> and you need someone to countersign their passport. And you have to say how long you've known these people for. And I've been out of university now more years than I was old when I started. And that is quite a scary statistic. Is it the hiring that you have a problem with or the, the managing people when they're working for you or the firing? Um, I find hiring quite easy. I find management of people quite difficult, primarily because as the founder entrepreneur, you have like, you've always got like this huge drive, like you're excited. So when you don't see that in someone else, or you've got to figure out how to draw it out of someone else, it's quite a challenge. Like I know how to get myself motivated, how to get myself riled up, but you have to do that for different people in different ways based on everyone's different life experiences, experience, motivations, Yes, I have a lot of respect for managers and leaders now. And I always joke that I remember when I was in retail and I was like five minutes late and my manager was angry and I'd be like, what's his problem? He hasn't got a life. (laughs) And now I'm like, I get it. And now you're like, oh my God, how come I can't get in on time? Yeah. So yeah, I think it's a difficult dance of like understanding how to motivate people and build a really solid professional relationship, but then also managing like the human emotion that comes with it and like, 
I think as a woman, you always overcompensate and always give the benefit of the doubt. And you always consider probably too many factors, whereas men are quite like clear cut, like they're performing well, they're bringing in money, great, they can stay. Whereas for women, it's like you're considering, oh, but what's their home situation like? Like you're always just thinking of too many things. So yeah, it's something that I'm intentionally working on improving. I totally get it because I continually stress about, you know, it's the whole getting on with people and not, you don't want people to hate you mm-hmm. or to complain about you because they think you're mean mm-hmm. or anything else, but you you need them to have a level of respect for you. Yes. You can't just be their best friends. Yeah. You and know. I think that's a mistake that I made quite early on, I would say, because everyone on my team were like age mates or maybe they're a bit older than me. Um, so there is that natural tendency to like professional starts to merge with personal yeah. and then that's when it gets really tricky. So, and then when you have to step back into managerial mode on Monday, it's a bit, it can get a bit awkward. So that was, yeah, that was probably one of the tougher lessons. I can remember quite a few years ago saying to somebody, saying to one of the idiot again, <laughs> saying, you know, um, like we were all down the pub and I was like, we don't have to be in the pub with these other people and we kind of can't be because we can't talk about what we need to talk about. You know, and there's this, that moment where you realise you can't actually be friends with them because they're your employees. Yeah. And I think it's tough because I like really like the people that I work with. And I think all the time, if we weren't working together, you would probably be one of, one of my best friends because I really, really like you. But equally, I'm learning as the, as the business scales up and as I get excited to hire more people, I understand the value of like having that, that separation so it's great to like really get along with people. And I think it's really necessary, especially of a comp- like startup, everyone's really intermingled. Um, but there is value in that slight distance personally. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Clark got its start back in 1935 And while the world has changed a bit It's more than just survived From complying with the FCA And all things financy They can also speak fluently In the language of legalese Ori Clark was born and raised right here in the UK And now for 20 years They've been helping others get set up and on their way Ori Clark's doors always open and happy to provide straight talking financial and legal advice since 1935. Big shout out to Sean Veer Singh for a stellar jingle. You can find him at Sean Veer Singh Music on Instagram. And at this point, let me quickly remind you to give us a nice review, please, on Apple Podcast or follow us on Spotify so you'll never miss an episode. Now back to the chat. What do you think the biggest problem facing your business or facing the industry as a whole is? So last week I released a trend report, which basically highlighted the discrepancies between mainstream hair care products and products for naturally textured hair. Um, It was written alongside um, a founder of an agency called Translate Culture and one of my university lecturers, who's now a professor at Warwick, Laura Chamberlain. She helped us write the report. And ultimately, one of the key points was hidden texture tax. And that was basically highlighting how much women with textured hair have to pay versus women with naturally straight hair. And it also highlighted the fact that black women account for 2% of the population, but 10% of beauty spend. Oh, wow. And when we're talking to brands and when we're pitching to brands, the conversation always is, oh, there's no, there's no budget. Sorry, we don't have budget for that. No, there's no marketing spend. And it's like, 
Like, this is the biggest opportunity. Before the trend report, we released a white paper and that was called The Untapped Opportunity in the UK Afro Hair Market. And it was like, it, the title says it all. It's like, this is the biggest opportunity in the UK in the beauty category, but no one wants to spend on it the way that they should. And then it was also about highlighting the difference between Black British women and African-American women. Because what I found when I was launching Treasure Trust was all of the research papers spoke about Black consumer spend, but it was only American. There wasn't anything to account for Black British spend. Um, Not to mention when we talk to brands, they're like, yeah, we're already doing these campaigns for Black women. And it's like, okay, that's in America. The British experience is completely different. And so you need to invest in that narrative as much as you do the American narrative. So the biggest challenge has definitely been brands and like talking them around and just constantly having what feels like sometimes the same conversation of, oh, there's no budget. But it's like, so what are you spending on exactly? (laughs) Because this is the opportunity. The return is great. Like for 2%, you can get a return of 10%. Like that. Yeah. That seems like a no-brainer. Yeah. Sadly, it's not for a lot of people. That's kind of better for you though, surely, because that is now what you are doing. You are taking advantage of that hole and going, no one else is doing it. I'm going to do it. It is. But then we don't produce our own products. We work as like a marketing arm channel for these brands. So if they tell us that they don't have budgets to invest in this, then ultimately they're not giving us enough product to service it. And when they do create the products, they fly off the shelves, not to mention with the hidden texture tax, they sell their products for a much higher price. The margins are massive, but it's just convincing them that it's worth the marketing spend and it's worth community building with these women. And that's just that just seems to be the missing piece. It's gotten better since we started, but the trend report kind of just puts it in black and white. So what are you most excited about for the future of your business? Growth. Definitely growth. Gosh, you sound like Liz Trust now. Say, say <laughs> oh, sorry. I was hoping there'd be some international travel in there. <laughs> international, international expansion. And the next pop-up shop that you're going to invite us to. Absolutely. The launch party's <laughs> on the 28th of October. But yeah, continuing to expand and just solve the problem for women globally. At the moment, we send our boxes to over 42 countries and there's just some random countries that pop up on our sales list sometimes. And we're like, I didn't even know that there were like black and mixed race people there. But it's like these women are... Okay, it's not that a country <laughs> literally <laughs> how did they get there <laughs> but it's like they get to these places it's great there's like opportunities all over the world but at the most basic level they can't wash their hair so for us it's like how do we service more women all over the world without sending the products only from the UK because the customs tax and the shipping is horrific a lot of the time so like how can we do a better job of that and just continuing to execute bigger and better campaigns on behalf of brands to help them do a better job because DNI is sometimes entertaining to watch when brands try to do it independently. So you kind of need distribution kind of venues all over the world. Exactly, performance centres all around the yeah. world. Yeah. That's going to be a lot of work. Yeah, I mean, everything's a lot of work at this point. <laughs> What's the most obscure country that's come up on your list? Oh, that is a good question. It's not an obscure country. It's Saudi Arabia, but I just didn't expect that there the would be a woman. the fact that you're, woman, you've reached there, yeah, possibly unintentionally. Literally unintentionally, because when we launched, the narrative was always, we are the UK and Europe's. And then when we started to see the Middle East pay attention, we were like, oh, this is crazy. And then there were, there's like one customer who I know by name because she's been with us for so long. And like, if one thing happens, like her credit card stops working, she's in our DMs like, please, please, please. I need, like, I need to update my details. Like I can't get products anywhere. And she's Middle Eastern, but she's got really thick hair. And she's like, I cannot find these products anywhere. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? 
The best piece of advice that I've been given is don't take advice from someone you wouldn't switch places with. But I would switch places with a lot of people, though, to be fair. (laughs) (laughs) But would you take advice from them is the question. (laughs) I seldom take advice. It's one of my things. But yeah, that's, I think that's the best piece of advice. Because at the beginning, when you're starting a business, everyone's got great ideas about how you can grow your business. So like if I had taken that investor's idea of like, just create a box for everyone, women with curly hair would be so pissed off because it's like, we finally had something yeah. to cater to us and now you don't. It is that whole hairdresser thing again. Don't get your hair cut by somebody who's got terrible hair. Yeah. <laughs> or no, the hairdresser's hair is not the problem. It's other people in the salon. If they've got terrible hair, you know that he's cut their hair too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, then you ask him who's cut his hair and that is the hairdresser you go to. Yeah, <laughs> true. Exactly. But it's kind of don't take advice from somebody who's just fucked up their own business. Yeah. Or there's a lot of people that offer unsolicited advice and they don't, they've never run a business. And it's like, okay, cool. You might be a specialist in, say, fulfillment, but like you can't give me tips and tricks on my clients necessarily and like how to build my portfolio of clients. So, yeah, I feel like. I would allow someone that is an expert to give me advice on that particular area, but would I take their advice for like all areas of my business? No. And the same goes for life. Top three reads, top three pods, top three records, anything you like, and it doesn't really have to be three. (laughs) Um, Well, top three lessons with anyone that knows me knows what I'm going to say. Definitely Beyonce, primarily her latest album, Renaissance. Great masterpiece. Yes. I just love anything she does, to be honest. So she could produce anything I mean, and I'd say it's amazing. she looks permanently amazing. She does. And she's, oh my gosh, I don't know if you've ever seen her work, but the way that she works, she's just a genius. She is just incredible the way she works. In what way? I think her character is so interesting because she has like these stage personas, but then like she's got a documentary that shows how she put together her Coachella performance. And it was just really interesting to see like the level of perfection, like, she can hear everything. She can see everything. She knows when something's not right. And she just, she's the last one to leave the studio every single time. Like she knows exactly what she wants. And I think it's really, I think it's just so impressive because for her whole life, that has literally been her journey. So like as a child, she used to be running on the treadmill and singing at the same time because her dad was preparing her to be on tour. So like her whole life has been crafted towards becoming who she is. It's really clear that she's dedicated to like personal growth and just consistently evolving. So love everything Beyonce. A book, well, one of the books that I would definitely say has really helped me was Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. So that was the book that I read when I was trying to decide, like, do I leave my job or do I keep at it and like try to do both and just forget about this business idea? And that whole book is like around fear and the concept concept of fear and where it comes from. And by the end of it, you just feel like you can pretty much do anything. So that I read it at the perfect time. And then the next one would be a business book, which I think you would be quite proud of, or I absolutely hate it. I find that accountants love it or hate it, which is Profit First, which basically teaches you to like have various different bank accounts. Whenever any amount of money comes in, split it between the bank accounts and make one of them a profit account so that you protect your profit at all times. And then the last one would be Lewis Howe's podcast, which was a podcast that I just listened to a lot while I was like really early in the days of Treasure Dress. What kind of a podcast is it? I would say personal development again. So like athletes, musicians, intellects, business owners, like loads of different people. But what I love with his questions is that he really cuts through to like their person and like makes the conversations very human. And he's a really vulnerable man, I would say. And so he really connects on an emotional level that you don't see on a lot of other podcasts. So 
really enjoyed that because everyone that you're listening to, you think, all right, great. They're great professionally, but ultimately like they're a really interesting person. person. Yeah. I find that's always they're normally pretty linked. If someone's done very well professionally, they are normally quite an interesting person. There is something driving them to yeah. get to that point. I think the sad thing is what I've noticed with a lot of his um, interviews is that a lot of it's trauma. Like a lot of them have like a really, tra- one really traumatic event and then it like pushes them to like completely overextend yeah. and overperform in their career, which takes them to like a completely new level. So this brings us to our very favourite part of the show. Okay. Okay. The business versus bullshit quickfire round. Oh, wow. Okay. DQ music. <laughs> this is where we reel off a list of key terms, and all you have to do, Jamelia, is tell us is it business or is it bullshit? Okay. We might have to unpack your answers in some cases. And if you're not, if you're sort of a bit on the fence, you can say biz shit. Okay. Which is half business, half bullshit. <laughs> Fair. So, are you ready? I'm ready. Diversity quotas. Bullshit. Really? Mm. I feel like it's bullshit because I just it shouldn't be needed. Like yeah. it, it shouldn't like you shouldn't have to fulfill a quota to know that you should consider the best performers regardless of what they look like and regardless of what their ethnic background is. I understand why they exist. Because like they're everyone's biased to what they look like and to what they know but I just think it's sad that it even needs to exist so it does need to exist yes but I think it's sad that it even needs to exist and that we're all just not open-minded enough to understand the value in diversity at an inherent level rather than it being prescripted yeah I get that until things are more equal Mm. it has to exist yes but it's sad that it does exactly um, stand-up meetings. Have you come across these? Business, I do them. <laughs> oh, do you? And, and what's your what's your like concept of a stand-up meeting? Do you have to stand up? No. Okay. Mainly because we work half in the office, half okay. hybrid. So, I mean, Where's if you're standing office? up or not, I won't know. Um, Wood Green, the chocolate oh, nice. factory yeah. in North oh, London. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, if you're standing up or not, I won't really know. And mm. I also don't do that thing of insisting people turn the camera on first thing in the morning because it's just unnecessary and draining. Um, so, yeah, business because I do it. Okay. Uh, caffeine. Bullshit. What? Yeah. <laughs> I don't drink coffee. I try to avoid... Do you drink tea? Uh, herbal teas. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> just really that's, how, that's how I get through the day. I try <laughs> to get my energy from, like, good food and exercise. It sounds super hippie, as I say. No, it sounds but... incredibly healthy. <laughs> I mean, we're just depressed. But that's a shame. <laughs> Uh, agendas, as in meeting agendas. Oh, business, please. Like, let's not waste each other's time. Uh, hour-long meetings. I think I know what you're going to say about this one already. Bullshit. I mean, no, sorry, no. Business, because I'm I'm very well known for keeping a team meeting going on for quite a while because I want to know a lot in one space rather than having several different meetings. So I'm going to yeah, say business, Just get it actually. all out there at once. Yeah, and like make sure that everyone knows everything because I don't want to have to repeat it again and again and again. Um, office dogs. What's the, what's the in between again? Bishop. Bishop. How is it, how is there an in between on that one? Because half of my team love animals, the other half hate them. So the other day, I discovered a company that brings puppies into your office for like 15 oh my minutes. God. <laughs> you have to do that. And you get to like pet the animal for like 15 minutes, and then they leave, and it's meant to be really good for everyone's mental health. So I brought it to the team, and half of them were like, "Oh my god, yeah!" And the other half were like, "Please do not." <laughs> I was just worried that if we did that here, people would be so enthusiastic they'd be ripping the puppies apart. (laughs) 
<laughs> so it's suddenly taking a very dark turn. <laughs> yeah. But can you just imagine it? <laughs> Puppy <Poppy> massacre. <laughs> Carbon credits. <sighs> Bullshit. Probably is, you're right. Um, swearing in meetings. Um, this shit, like... I don't think I've ever been in a meeting where someone's sworn, if I'm being honest. Clearly, you have not been in a meeting with me. <laughs> but, I mean, if it's the best means for you expressing yourself, go ahead. <laughs> Pub lunches. Um, business, why not? Yeah, why not? B Corps. Bullshit. I'm sorry, because... You're amazing. <laughs> again, it's that, like, tick-boxing exercise... If you're running a startup of a certain time, you just don't have time to go through all of those loopholes. It can probably be bought, shouldn't say this. Um, yeah, just, no, I don't, I'm not buying it entirely. Yeah, I think you're probably right, because I think there is a level of, you do this thing and you do this thing this. and you do this thing yeah. and you get the stamp of approval. Yeah. I'm probably saying it because I started doing the application and was like, you I went, don't have oh, time to do this. <laughs> So I'll probably buy it. I think it's almost a full-time job just sorting out. It is, and it's it's a privilege to be able to do that, which is why I said bullshit. Like, if your company is of a certain size, if you've got particular funding, if you have particular networks, you can probably get it done in half a day. But if you're not, and you're slightly removed from that, you just don't have the resource, the energy, the expertise to do it. So when you're thinking about, like, growing your business versus filling out this form, I'm going to choose growing the business. NDAs. Business. I like this. This is good. <laughs> um, unlimited holidays. Um, bullshit. I don't do that. And I've heard that companies that do do that, people don't take as much holiday. And there's this like weird guilt thing that when you finally do take holiday, people look at you funny. Um, so yeah, I'm going to say bullshit. LinkedIn. Business. Although it's become a bit like Facebook now, isn't it? Um, formal work clothes. Oh, bullshit. No way. Love it. Uh, Brexit. Bullshit. <laughs> Bitcoin. I'm going to say bullshit because I didn't get in at the right time, so I didn't leave at the right time. <laughs> it's definitely bullshit. <laughs> NFTs. Also bullshit, probably. Yep. Same. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, didn't those either. The answer above. <laughs> Excellent. So that's the end of the quick fire round. Well done. You've got... Um, 76 out of 80 <laughs> and swore more there than you have in the rest yeah. of the podcast literally yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. has this effect on people <laughs> <I know. laughs> okay so this is where we give you 30 seconds to pitch your company um, book whatever you want to pitch Treasure Tress is Europe's largest monthly product discovery box for women and girls with naturally kinky curly hair. From the 28th of October to the 22nd of December, we will be taking over Birmingham New Street Station. Find us next door to Five Guys at the exit by TK Maxx. You'll be able to build your own Treasure Tress box and attend a variety of different experiences from learning how to braid, manage your money and scaling up your business. Follow us at Treasure Tress and find us at www.treasuretress.co.uk. Fantastic. And you can also get a burger straight afterwards. And you can get a burger and fries <laughs> next door and hopefully they give me some commission because I've been mentioning them so damn much. <laughs> so there you have it. That was this week's episode of Business Without Bullshit. And we'll be back with BWB Extra on Thursday. Until then, it's ciao. Ciao.